Okay, so Shabbat Shalom, everybody, and like I said, you can go to Psalm 50, and we're going to pretty much stay in there um, for most of the, this morning. Um, I've been reading through the psalm in my reading recently, and um, this psalm just really stood out to me, especially primarily because of the last verse. Which is, I wrote actually a little, a little blog post earlier in the week um, called You Are What You Do. <laughs> and uh, so if you get a chance, you can go back on our website and read that. We're going to touch on a little bit of, of that today, but that's not going to be my primary fo- focus. I really want to go through the whole, the whole psalm. And what I hope for us to see is how um, it's God speaking to his people speaking to those who think are his people, and then speaking to the wicked. And then he, he kind of sums up the whole thing in the last verse, the last verse, which is, which is really cool um, because it almost sums up the whole Bible, which is really cool. Because if you, what we're going to see is it's tied in with one of the first verses in Genesis, and it's also tied in with one of the last verses in Revelation. And when you, I think, hopefully you guys will be thinking it's as cool as I did. Um, when you, we see the connection with the words that are used uh, in there. So, but before I get all excited and jump into that, let's just start in, uh, first let's pray, and then we'll start in uh, Psalm 50, and we'll just read through it. So, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this time uh, to all meet together on the day of rest that you have given us, and that we get to do that here uh, in New Hampshire, wherever we are, and other believers and uh, followers of you who are scattered all over the world. And so, I thank you for this time to open your word and to study it, um, apply it to our hearts and our lives, that we may walk it out, obey you, and walk in your footsteps, Yeshua, and be obedient unto you, and that you would just transform our minds, that we would have the same mind as you in us, that we might be your people and be a light, uh, that those who do not know you would come to salvation and would trust and be be born again and uh, formed a new creation, that we may uh, be your kingdom and your people, people, Father. I just thank you for all these things. In Yeshua's name, amen. (laughs) <laughs> and I always got to, like, come down after playing the songs. <laughs> it's like you get so so into them. That's why the pastor isn't the music leader, too. <laughs> all right, so, um, all right, well, let's just read Psalm 50, and then we'll, we'll comment on it. <clears throat> psalm 50, a psalm of Asaph. The mighty God, even Yehovah, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. 
I will not, I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goat out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. But unto the wicked, uh, but unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes? Or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth, seeing thou hatest instruction, and casteth my words behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, then thou contendest with him, and hast been partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sitteth and speaketh against thy brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother's son. These things thou hast done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest I was altogether such as one of thyself, but I will reprove thee, and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Uh, what kind of um, first piqued my interest in this was when I was, um, I've been reading through the Psalms, and so often you see salvation laced in there, this word salvation, the salvation of God. And I don't believe that, it's without, that it is uh, a coincidence that Yeshua is the Hebrew word for salvation, because it was said he will save his people from their sins, was what the, what the messenger said. And um, so when you, if, you, if you look for that word salvation throughout your Bible, you'll see a very fascinating pattern of how God himself is the only one that saves his people. And so that's why it's so important that we hold to the truth that Yeshua is God, come in the flesh on earth to redeem his people from their sins, because God himself is the only one that can do that. And that is what the scripture testifies to. So, you know, those that say he was only a good man, or he was a prophet, or um, even as some of the Orthodox Jews believe that uh, when the Messiah does come, because they don't think he's come yet, he will just be a man that God will work through. Well, that's not what the scripture says. It's very evident if you follow it from beginning to end. All right, so we'll kind of work our way through this and hopefully cover the main points and then get to our verse at the end. So the main things that I want us to see that as we go through this is First thing is God is perfect and almighty. And then he will judge his people. And then three, our righteousness is imputed to us from God. And I'm going to explain all this. We have no inherent righteousness. Sacrifices are God-given. And then four, offer thanksgiving. Five, the wicked will perish. Six, the summation. So, We'll just go through this here. So, verse 1, The mighty God, even Yehovah, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. So, in other words, we're starting out here, and he's basically setting up, kind of like in the beginning of Genesis, 
Um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's basically stating, I'm God who made and created and did everything. And he's, so he's basically setting his premise of his base of authority for those things that he's going to do. And so, verse 2, Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. About him, He shall call to the heavens from above and the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me and those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And then it goes on and it basically talks about, he says he's coming, he's going to judge his people and he's going to judge the earth. Uh, and he's saying, gather my saints, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. That sacrifice and that covenant that is made, that is being referenced there, is, is a Passover sacrifice as well as uh, what Yeshua did for us because Yeshua is the Passover lamb. And so basically they became, when they were gathered out of Egypt, they became his people, his firstborn son, because he said when you go back there and you read it, Israel my firstborn is who, who left Egypt. The other firstborn died in Egypt. And what differentiated the two was the blood of the lamb. And it was that lamb that died on behalf of his people. And then they entered into the houses where the blood was put on the door, which symbolizes entering into God's house, becoming part of his family, becoming his firstborn son. And those are the ones that were redeemed and taken out of the land of Israel. So they have made a covenant by, with him by sacrifice. But what happens is with people is, and it happens in our own lives, we tend to think that, um, we can somehow make ourselves righteous or make ourselves clean. And this is part of what had happened when you get downstream into the New Testament when Yeshua was on the scene talking with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had all these steps and ways and things that you had to do to be able to become clean and to bring sacrifices. And basically what God is saying here is, He's saying, I'm not taking any bulls out of your house. I'm not stealing any of your goats. First off, I created everything. I own everything. And these sacrifices that you're doing, they're not for me. They're for you because of your fallen state, because of your sin. And so I have made a way for you to be able to come to me and to be able to be clean in your depraved state, and so thus God imputes righteousness to, he gives righteousness to us, us, so that when they put the, they slayed the lamb, and they put the blood on the door, the, the angel, or God, whoever it was, went through in Egypt, and he saw the blood on the door, he, there was a covering, that lamb had died on behalf of the firstborn that was inside that house. So Yeshua, when he died, his righteousness, because he was perfect, and why it worked that it was sufficient for all of history, pre and post, because God's outside of time. He died on the behalf of us to remove our sins from us so that when God looks upon us, He doesn't see us in our still corrupt state. He sees Yeshua. And so He imputed righteousness to us. And this is such an important concept to get because we in our human state are not able to come before an almighty righteous God. And we're going to get to that in the summation because that's why God had to make a way to fix everything because it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden because they sinned. What happened? They got kicked out of the garden. 
Well, what's in the garden? The tree of life. How do we get back to the tree of life? And, and what we're going to see, which is so cool, and I never noticed it until uh, just this week, is, well, let's just go there, what the heck, in uh, Genesis 3.24, we're going to come back to it. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Notice it's not the way to the tree of life. I used to, in my head, automatically insert to protect the way to the tree of life, unto the tree of life. But it's the way of the tree of life. And that's so important. It's really, really important. We're going to get to that. But, so I just skipped ahead because it's so cool. But anyways, so... um, I get off track, but that's okay. So, okay, so God imputes his righteousness unto us because we can't do it of ourselves. And then when we are made clean, when we are born again, because what happens when, when a baby is born? It's a, it's a new life with a new spirit and a new, eventually, a new body when the resurrection happens. And so we have a new inclination and we walk according to the instructions of our new father. Not our earthly father, but our heavenly father and his instructions, the rules of the house. And so um, we, we, we are given this righteousness from him. So he's saying, listen, the sacrifices and the temple, and the things that you guys are doing, don't get too high and mighty on your own horse. These are things that I have provided for you so that I can dwell in the midst of you in your presence so that you can approach unto me so that I don't burn you up with fire. And But what happens is, uh, and then so, let me get back to my notes here. So, he, he will judge. He's a perfection in the Almighty. He will judge his people. He's coming to judge them. Our righteousness is imputed to us. We have no inherent righteousness. That's what he's talking about with those sacrifices. Sacrifices are given to us by God. And so what are we... So, so okay, so cool. Now what? You know, now what do we do? That's all fine and dandy. You know, so, but what are we supposed to do? 14. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and shall glorify, and thou shalt glorify me. So that's basically, and the same thing, when you read through to the end of Song of Solomon, you get to the end, Song of Solomon, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He says, what's the point of it all? Serve God, keep the commandments, for this is the whole of man. Ecclesiastes, thank you. I, I knew that I didn't sound right. Clearly, <laughs> I was close. Ecclesiastes, written by the same guy. Anyway, so what is our point? We, we, we seek to be like our Father. And so we, th- we give thanks unto Him. We pay our vows unto Him. We call upon Him in the day of trouble, which is a big deal. That, there's a lot in that call upon him in our day of trouble most of us when we struggle you know or i lose some clients or you lose a job or something happens to a family member ah, we freak out and panic but our trust i know some of us here are more righteous than others and that never happens 
and it and and so why does he even have to tell us this stuff? Well, because we forget. And and we get trusting ourselves and relying on ourselves and the works of our hands. And we think, man, look at how good, look at the sheep eye rows that I get to offer for, up to God. God says, no, you moron. I own the sheep, you know. I gave you those things that you're supposed to walk in and those commandments of righteousness. It is not in and of ourselves. And so what can we do? We, we offer our thanksgiving to him and we glorify him who made all and created all and has given us commandments and instructions of life so that we can raise families, serve him, you know, not have the chaos that goes on in the world, you know. We, we are like um, that orchard that is pruned and cared for God, by God. And so you look at it, it's beautiful, it's maintained, it's protected from insects, it's pruned. Why? So that it can produce fruit. What happens to a wild apple tree? Everybody's ever seen it? Or a tree, apple tree, old apple tree, feel, they, they don't get pruned? They just go straight up. And they get tons of proud standing suckers, you know, we're not supposed to be a bunch of proud standing suckers. So God has to prune us back. Why? Because that's how you produce the most fruit. Some apple trees, I've spoken about this before, uh, they'll even like hit the trunks with um, chains. Because if the tree thinks it's going to die, that's when it lets go of its people, think people here, lets go of its ambitions and it will finally lay down and do what it's supposed to. You know, why do we have to be brought to the end of ourselves to do what's right? Why do we have to hit rock bottom? Because we're still trapped, because we war against the lust of our flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it's just like Paul said. He has to die daily to himself that he may live for God. And that's the battle that ensues. Yes, we're born again and we have a new heart and a new inclination and a new drive and desire, but we still are trapped in our flesh and corrupt and fallen world. And until God comes and makes all things new again and we are part of the resurrection, that's going to be the struggle and the battle. But until that day, we rely on Him and His righteousness and we glorify Him and we give Him our th thanksgiving. And he delivers us. But, 16, this is really important. Because what the people we're going to read about here, they think they're the good guys. You know, which is just like what Yeshua said in Matthew, I think it's 23. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Even though they say, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We did great miracles in your name. You know, we spoke in your name. We did all these things in your name. We looked the part. We did the part. But God knows what's on the inside because people are really good at looking one way and actually being another way. And so we're going to read about verse 16, the wicked. <sighs> okay, but... Let me get my notes. I never read them. Uh, okay. God's words against the wicked. 
Let's read it. 16, but unto the wicked, God saith, what hast thou to do to declare my statutes? Or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth. Seeing thou hatest instruction and casteth my words behind thee. And then it goes on to explain some of the details of how these people conduct themselves. But what I find so fascinating is God says unto them, what has thou to do to declare my statutes? So these people are apparently declaring his statutes and they're taking their, his covenant in their mouth. But what's interesting about that? They're just giving lip service. They are saying one thing, but their actions, verse 18, 19, and 20, are a different thing. And so, apparently, these wicked are declaring his statutes and taking their, his covenant in their mouth, but they do not have true salvation or right, as we're going to see, unto the tree of life, because they have not been transformed and born again, and they don't have right into the tree of life, right unto the tree of life. We're going to get into what that means. Because they have a wrong conversation, they do not overcome, and they do not keep the commandments. We're going to get into that. That's going to tie into our last verse. Why? They have hated instruction and cast his words behind their backs. Hard-hearted, stiff-necked, children in whom there is no... Um, uh, I can't forget. I forget. I forget the... It's not coming to me. But they hate instruction and they cast his words behind their back. And that's what's happening in this day and age. Although I believe, praise God, all over the world, he is restoring his word, the Torah. He is uplifting it and he's maintaining it, sustaining it. And there's those who are coming out from the mixture of the world and all the chaos therein and different religious sects. Because what, what, what is the truth about what happens in the world and those who are outside his apple orchard? They don't want the instruction. And they don't want his words. Because if they take them at their face value and what they say and what they do, it would force them to be pruned and have to change. That's why it's so important that, that we maintain and uphold congruency and the coherency of the whole Word of God. None of it has been done away with. None of it has been changed. And it has been the, been the same from Genesis to Revelation. And it always will be. Why? Because it is God Himself. If God is the Word, which it says He is, and the Word was made flesh, which is Yeshua, which it says it is, and he said, I spoke not anything contrary to my father. It's all harmoniously connected. And if you unravel one of the pieces of the strand, the whole sweater goes. You know, God says, um, something, something, you sons of Jacob, uh, I do not change. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Because if he changed, if he was a flippant God who changed his mind halfway through New Testament, how, how is that trustworthy? 
if God all of a sudden flippantly changes his mind and says, well, you guys in the back half, you know, you were supposed to do all this, but you really messed up, and so see you kicking into the curb. You guys in the front half, don't worry about any of that. You know, do whatever you want. You know, be led by the Spirit. You know, you don't have to. It's like, what, what kind of a God is that? You know, that's like rewriting your marriage contract halfway through your marriage and saying, okay, now, you know, you don't have to stay faithful to your wife. You know, that, that wouldn't fly. So, God says to these wicked, who are you to declare my statutes? The audacity of these people to, to claim to speak for him, his statutes, to, to claim to take their co- his covenant in their mouth, which is him dying on behalf of his people, only to turn around and smack God in the face and cast his words behind their back. God has very little tolerance for them. In fact, he says in 22, he will tear them to pieces. <laughs> but you know what? That is a God of love and a God of righteousness and a just God. That's why as horrific as like the flood was, it was a merciful act. Because God knew to allow humanity to continue in its construct. Uh, 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 corrupt state, it would self-annihilate. And so he had to save those few who were of his family to start again. And he's doing the same today. Okay, so now let's get to our cool part. Uh, so it goes on. Oh, and then, oh, interesting, uh, I'll just quickly comment in verse 21. These things thou hast done, and I kept silence. I, that's kind of, to me, what it feels like is just happening today. It's like, where are you, God? Like, how much more needs to happen before you do something about it all? You know what I mean? It's like, you see, there's just the, I don't know, the injustice and the crime and the, you know, all the problems in the world. And, and you wonder, what is God doing? But for, in his wisdom and his sovereignty, he's, um, he's keeping silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such as one of thyself, but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. So he's going he's gonna to fix it. Okay, verse 23. Whoso offereth, offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. Now it's interesting, that word conversation there was what first kind of grabbed me. Whom, he who... Because if you've been around me long enough, anyway, if you, I don't always have a, a, a snow-driven vocabulary, shall we say. But that's not actually what this verse is talking about, is the words you use. So, the, I'm, off the so I'm off the hook, see? You can swear and it's okay. <laughs> so... Him that ordereth his conversation aright, I will show the salvation of God. So I looked up that word conversation. It's the word in Hebrew, derek, which means the way, uh, path, journey. Um, essentially, it is the instructions of God and how he wants us to walk and live. Now, what's fascinating is you go back to that verse, Genesis 3.24, and it is the way of the tree of life. 
Not the way unto, not the way to the tree of the life. It's the way, Derek, or the conversation of the tree of life. So if you think about it, in this verse it says, He that ordereth his conversation or his way aright, which is, how, how do we know what that is? It's according to his word. I will show the salvation of God, which really is synonymous with the tree of life, right? Because if we go to Revelation, uh, well, Revelation 2.7, it says, He that overcometh, I will give right unto the tree of life. Same thing, that idea of overcoming, he who, who overcomes the end will inherit the earth. I might be butchering it or combining two verses, but... In other words, the idea of he who will follow God and walk in his ways and his commandments, will I give right into the tree of life. Now, it's important to understand, that doesn't mean, like I was talking about, we just talked in earlier in this psalm, that doesn't mean that we live and walk and act perfectly. It means that we have our imputed righteousness to us from Yeshua, and then we walk in his footsteps to the best of our abilities, knowing that we'll stumble. That's why God is merciful and forgives us. But we, we order our way. He gives us right to the tree of life. So, and then in 22, Revelations 22, uh, 14. If you, want, you can turn if you want. All the way at the end. So, 22, 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates of the city. So those that do his commandments have right to the tree of life. He who orders his conversation, the way, the direction of the tree of life, I will show the salvation of God. So the salvation is the tree of life, the commandments are this conversation is the way of the tree of life. Notice it's not the way unto the tree of life. Salvation is, um, that's why Paul says, work out your salvation. It is the way of God. It is his word. And that's why God gets so mad, if we go back to the wicked, that hate instruction and cast his words behind them because they're claiming and they're grabbing hold of the fruit and trying to of the tree of life they're claiming salvation while they throw the way of the tree of life under their feet and trample it down there's a cherubim there there's no way to the tree of life but through salvation through his commandments through his word which is him which he gives us his righteousness, you know, because, because salvation is in the Torah. It is God making a way for us through his covenant sacrifices, just as Yeshua came and died for us. Is there, can you see this? Is it cool? I don't know. I thought it was cool. Very cool. Good. I'm glad. And um, so that's kind of the summation of the whole thing. God is mighty, he created everything. He's going to judge his people. He's going to judge the wicked. We need to get our, prior, our, our understanding correct that it's not us who can attain to any level of righteousness. 
he imputes righteousness unto him because he is perfect. So we give thanks and praise unto him for what he has done. And we glorify him. And we, then we order our conversation aright, our direction and our way, and he will show us the salvation of God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. Um, I thank you for this psalm and how great and awesome it is and how you uh, just lay out so much cool stuff in your word and, and show us these patterns and tie it all together from beginning to end of your word. And I just thank you for that. I thank you for um, your gift of salvation through Yeshua and that we can be um, grafted in. Again, just like that orchard, we are grafted into your natural tree, and then we produce your fruit. I just thank you for that, Father. Uh, Help us just to um, study and know your word. Be transformed in our hearts and our minds that we may go forth and uh, be lights and do what's right. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen.